With nothing better to do, I went downstairs to enjoy an unhurried breakfast of eggs, toast, bacon, and hot cereal. Thus fortified for the morning, I determined to take a long walk, since the weather, I was assured by one of the servants, had warmed so suddenly that forty degrees will not be impossible by afternoon. The servant had not deceived me, for the morning was indeed delightful, with soft sunlight washing across the fresh snow and shining through the long icicles which hung in dramatic clusters from the high eaves of every building. A quarter-hour of vigorous walking put me in the heart of the commercial district, which was bustling with all the energy of the vibrant young city. I was following no particular course, though I had in mind paying a call on Pyle at the Globe, and then perhaps stopping in to chat with Hill, who had issued a standing invitation for Holmes and me to visit him at his offices in Lower Town. This was not to be, however, for as I turned a corner off St. Peter Street, I happened quite by chance to spot Rafferty, or at least a man who looked very much like him. He was just entering a church, which I soon learned was the Cathedral of St. Paul. I shouted to him, but as he was some distance away, he evidently did not hear me, for the door closed and he was gone. Still fairly certain it was Rafferty I had seen, I followed him up the steps and into the church, which was a rather crude structure of grey limestone that bore no resemblance to its splendid namesake in London. Inside I found a surprisingly pleasant and serene place of worship, with simple whitewashed walls, a vaulted ceiling, and two long balconies extending the length of the nave. There was, however, no sign of Rafferty. Indeed, the church appeared empty, the morning mass obviously was over, and my footsteps echoed as I made my way along the long centre aisle toward the ornate altar. I was just nearing the altar rail when, near the end of a short transept to my left, I saw a man kneeling before a small table upon which glowed a row of votive candles. He had heard my approach, and when he looked up I saw at once that it was Rafferty. "'Dr. Watson,' he said in a startled voice, "'what are you doing here?' "'I just happened to catch sight of you going into the church,' I explained, suddenly feeling embarrassed, for I sensed that I had interrupted a private moment." "'But I do not wish to disturb you. Pray continue with your worship, and I will—' "'No, no, I'm finished here,' Rafferty said with his usual amiability. "'Tis just a thing I must do every day, and I've done it.' He offered no further explanation, and I did not ask, knowing that if Rafferty had wished to tell me more, he would have done so. "'Well, then,' he said as we walked out the side door and into the sunshine, "'how is Mr. Holmes faring with that diary of young Mr. Upton's? Got it all figured out, I suppose?' "'I don't know. I have yet to see him this morning. He was not in the mood for company when I knocked on his door.' "'Ah, so he's locked up in his room, he is, thinking and plotting like a madman,' said Rafferty with a smile. "'Well, maybe I can be of some assistance. Do you have a piece of paper on you, doctor? And maybe a pencil, too?' I produced the small notebook which I always carried, along with a pencil, and watched as Rafferty quickly scribbled out a message— He then tore out the piece of paper, folded it twice, and handed it to me. "'Now I don't want you peeking at this,' he said. "'Just give it to Mr. Holmes when he finally comes out of his room. Tell him it's a little gift from Shadwell Rafferty. Will you do that for me?' "'Of course,' I replied. "'But may I ask?' Rafferty cut me short. "'No, you may not. But you can ask me if I'm hungry, and I will tell you that me stomach is growling like an angry bear in a cage, and that's a fact.' "'So, doctor, can I interest you in some breakfast? "'They serve a mighty fine morning plate of the Ryan.' "'I am afraid I have already eaten, Mr. Rafferty. "'Besides, I should like to get back up to the house. "'I have a feeling Holmes will be looking for me.' 
Uh, You're probably right. All right, then. Have a good day, Rafferty said, shaking my hand before he turned to go. And don't forget to give that message to Mr. Holmes. Hardly had I walked through the front door of Hill's mansion when the butler, a somber and dignified gentleman whose face was normally a model of polite impassivity, greeted me with uncommon enthusiasm. "'Ah, Mr. Smith, I'm so happy to find you,' he said, sounding greatly relieved. "'Your friend Mr. Baker has been looking for you, and he has been raising quite a ruckus, I'm afraid, quite a ruckus. He will find him in his bedroom.' I went upstairs at once and knocked, for the second time of the morning, on Holmes's door. "'It is Dr. Watson,' I said. "'Come in, come in,' Holmes replied. I opened the door and was greeted by a state of chaos which even by Holmes's standards of untidiness was quite extraordinary. On a large table in one corner stood what was to be the America, 